3: And Tim and Rob Beckett good boy
2: there we go. That was absolutely exceptional. um, who was that? Oh dear,
0: oh, that's well, I'll tell you what that was in a minute. That was uh George, who is two, and that is from Jess Beddingfield, surely not a relative.
2: Well, do you know what I was gonna say? She had a lovely voice, yeah, like, I, I mean, I don't know if it's because, you know. But I really enjoyed her saying good boy. <laughs> I felt like I'd been a really good boy. <laughs> and, you know. should we play that again? Can you play that again? Yeah, do you want to play that again?
0: Yeah. Is this your favourite ever recording of a bedding field? I think Can so. You say,
3: Josh Widdicombe? Josh Tim, And Rob Beckett. Rob
2: Beckett's Good boy. <laughs> <laughs> has that I, I enjoyed that I don't know why But that's, that stirred some emotions I mean the same way As Michael gets fan mail For his voice I just think that's the best Beddingfield I've ever heard Yeah that, that
0: is my favourite Bedding... Oh I don't know I do enjoy the song These Words by Natasha Beddingfield But it's up there
2: Is she part of the Beddingfield Clang?
0: Do email in Jess And tell us if you know Natasha Don't and email in Send a voice note Send a voice <laughs> 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 How are you Joshua? Um, we've made a bad purchase Rob Oh no Uh, I went to drop some stuff at the charity shop a few weeks ago. I took my daughter and I said, you can have one thing from the charity shop. First mistake. Yeah. But I thought, you know, nice thing to do. Yeah. She settled on a keyboard from, I'd say, about 1985. Lovely. Very Whittaker. An early learning centre keyboard. Oh, this is so bomb brand. And she's not really been into music that much before, but now she's absolutely obsessed with the demos on this keyboard. What's the point of learning the keyboard when the demo's on there? Exactly. To the point where uh, Rose was breastfeeding and my daughter came in and said, would you like to listen to some music? (laughs) Rose is sat there breastfeeding. She's like, yeah. And my daughter just puts the keyboard down and goes. (laughs) So I reckon I hear this tune 20 times a day, Rob. (laughs) Not just that one.
2: It feels like you're constantly on hold. Oh, that's a good, that's a banger. It's destroying my life.
0: <laughs> right, you got options here. What are my options? Lose it? I can't lose it. Rob, <laughs> okay, she's just got I, a baby brother. She's struggling emotionally enough with that. This is her <laughs> <okay>. only
2: thing. <laughs> okay. Right. So other options. Is there a volume on it? Yes. Can you set it lower? Or like we've and put a bit of like sort of almost put some sellotape on it so it can't exceed. No, it's,
0: it's buttons. Let me let me send you a photo of this as well, okay. so you can see uh, right. what we're dealing with. Can
2: here. I, I want a photo front and back, please, Josh, of this, and I'll tell you how to make this quieter. Because there must be a speaker on it, and then my suggestion would be put some masking tape over the speaker, and it will dull the sound.
0: Well, you'll see, Rob, you'll see that that's not <laughs> that's just great. not possible, mate.
2: Oh no, what have you got? Both the flanks are big speakers, Rob. I tell you what. Stickers, get some stickers. Yeah, and gu- and why don't you play a game called Let's put. I've got lovely stickers for your new keyboard, and then you can put when she's putting stickers, and you could put some over the uh, speaker. But the speaker's
0: a huge rob. The speakers are huge. <laughs> speakers are huge. This, some
2: is life, huh. this is my life. Stickers. This is my life. Also, it's very. Is it? Does it help? For does it make it harder to breastfeed? What's Rose's opinion? Because it was... well, it
0: does add an energy to the experience, doesn't
2: it? Yeah, it feels like psychologically, you're doing it well and quick. It's, we got, there's a lot of food coming here, a lot of milk. It's quite like uh, Diddy Kong Racing or Mario Kart or something, <laughs> isn't it? It's a bit like
0: that. Oh, Josh, In my life is ruined. Um, we're we working tonight, aren't we together? Yeah, the last leg, ten p.m. The channel leg. Four. What are we going to talk the about?
2: What are we going to talk about? Well, we
0: we don't know, do we? What do you think it's going to be in the news?
2: I don't don't know at this stage of the game. Basically, Boris has got married. Oh, yeah, we might cover that. The sun's out. It's a bank holiday weekend. Everyone's loving life. There is no news. I wonder if we're going to have a green room, Rob. Yeah, because it's your first one back under under new guidelines. Under new guidelines. I just... What what takeaway are you
0: getting, Rob? I'm already excited about what takeaway I'm getting. Yeah, they're very
2: honest. Someone said... Rob, you arrive at this point, and what do you want? And they sent me a, a, like a menus for yes. lunch for a week's time. This was last Did week. They? I've gone for Nando's. Oh, I've it. ordered a week early. It feels like a fucking wedding party.
0: It's like when you go to one of those. Have you been to one of these big restaurants? family lunches?
2: <laughs> it's like a big family. Lunch. Yeah, you cannot. You can have a table for twelve, but you've got a pre-order, and then like <laughs> you're pre-ordering like salmon on crew for thirteen weeks time.
0: Um, now, have you been to these places where you have to order the curry like forty eight hours in advance? No, where's that? So you'll go to a place and it'll say, like, there'll be a special curry that oh, has to be yeah. cooked 48 hours in advance.
2: Who knows that exists until you get there? Yeah, actually, what? I'm going
0: to order that. See you in two days. Yeah, I, f- I fancy a biryani on Thursday. <laughs> Better
2: order it now. Uh, but I'm looking forward to it. it would be nice to it'll be nice. get out get of out the house. Are you going to use the word stiff neck? Oh, yeah, I'm going to say stiff neck as much as I can Yeah, on your show. Okay, um, good. That'll be fun, would not it? It'll be fun. It'll Thrust be fun. For fun about the 20 people that listen to this. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Josh, I, I've got a confession. I cannot be organised and think about things. And this probably goes back into mental load. Lou keeps talking. It's Lou's birthday in June, right? And also we're having a party for the kids in June because yeah. we're allowed 30 people in your garden yeah. now, aren't you? Yeah. Um, and stuff. So we're basically we can invite their schoolmates. Yeah. We're, we're having to be quite brutal with the invite list. Do the kids count? I don't know. But even with the kids, but we've, what we're doing is we're not really inviting family yeah. or like cousins and stuff on both sides, which seems harsh. Yeah. But then once you start inviting Lou's, lose niece and nephews and my niece and nephews it gets to like well over 30 because there's also like near enough 30 kids in the class but then with parents so it's what we're going to say is come from two and you can leave your kids here so we're saying they can leave the kids (gasps) so that's what we suggested if they want to leave their kids for like three hours (gasps) because we're going to get an entertainer and a bouncy castle they can and then that'll keep us under the 30 but because if everyone stays with their kids we will go over 30 obviously so we're doing that but like Lou keeps talking to me about it and she goes, What are you doing that day in your diary? And I've, what I've done is I've downloaded like the Euros diary, you know. for Oh, the football. yeah, yeah. And I'll be honest with you. You've got to check the, the Euros. the or the World Cups on, I can't think of anything else. It's like we're doing a little thing for a birthday, and it's like the quarterfinals. Oh. <gasps> No. So I'm just like yeah, I'm sure that'll be fine. And then now because it's so confusing my diary because it's like you're like am I doing tipping point or am I doing England versus Austria. Well no, let me if I send you my diary for this day, I'll show you, we can put this on the on the Instagram. It's like I can't say yes or no because Whoa, I don't know who's, Rob. I, I don't know who's qualified. Oh
0: Rob, that is a tough situation to be in. Yeah, exactly. That is a that is a that is a tough. What am I up to that day? Well it it
2: fully depends whether Marcus Rashford can turn it on at international and, level. And also, what I'd normally do at a normal party, it would be a free for all. So I'd have all my brothers there, my mum and dad, and then like you got, I'd invited you guys and yeah. all that. And then if you invite enough people that are into the football, you should have the football. But I think what I'm going to do is going hard, going early, and just have the football on the telly with kids running about.
0: Yeah, I think you're going to have to. I, yeah. I, I, Do you do this? In uh, 2014, I didn't do this at the World Cup and I regretted it because I missed the first two goals. Of Brazil seven Germany no Germany yeah. seven Brazil one because I was doing mock the week and then um, ever since I've refused to put work in during the Euros
2: a hundred percent mate that goes in first and then the book and then the bookings of other stuff yeah because you you know and also as well what what I used to love is when it's really far away and it's all the games are like eleven a.m. that is perfect for a comedian oh, because there's yeah. loads of like eight o'clock games yeah and what what's annoying though if you do watch the football and it's the summer you have the back doors open if you. Pulls your telly, I watch it on delay. It's ruined because you hear people cheering in the garden. Yes, you cannot watch it on delay. So that's that's why I'm getting a little a bit, a bit stressed out at, at the moment because I, I had a I had a uh, six month old in the World Cup. and Then I ended up having looking after the kids oh. when the games were. I told you that when I put, yeah. I gave her milk in her ear instead of a mouth because yeah. I was watching the football. <laughs> that was a low point. But if that had led to a goal, you'd have had to do it every corner. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're the lucky charm. <laughs> She gets to 17 and I'm just still pouring milk in her ear watching the football. It's a long story, but, we, but we've won the World Cup ever since.
0: I always find it, you'll get a comedian, right, and they'll go, um, I can't believe it, I've, I've got a, a gig the night of the England semi-final. <sighs> and I'll think, that is your own fault.
2: Yes, you know when that
0: semi-final yes, was. You should so, have
2: tracked yeah. that from six months ago. <laughs> this was all, the information was all there for you to see. But, yeah, they've not sprung it on you. Yeah. They've not moved it. This is always there.
0: I heard about a, a top-level comedian once, Rob, who had a tour show, and he he put the match on an iPad behind, the, you know, the speaker at
2: the front of the stage. How? No way. Could you imagine? Did he make a thing of it? No. So the audience didn't know. He must be. Oh, he's too good at comedy to do that. How can you deliver? How your- can you do that? How could you enjoy that? I remember once though, because I used to, I recorded a game, right? When, when it was the, when it was the Euros, right? Yeah. I recorded a game that I wanted to watch. I don't know if it was an England game, and because I, I, I'd done what the week, because what the week is normally filmed during June, isn't it? Yeah. And obviously, yeah, I couldn't turn it down. You, you had to do it, but I recorded the game, and I said to everyone, "Oh, don't tell me because I'm watching. I'm going to watch it when I get home." And everyone respected that. No one told me anything, and I got in the car and I said to the driver, "I've not seen the football. I've recorded it." Let me, you know, just let's not. Yeah. Don't he went fine. I went. I'm gonna put, you know, I'm gonna just. He went. I'll turn the radio off, and that's fine. I went. Cool, thanks, mate. And we're driving along, and it's a sunny, balmy, sunny day. Oh. Put the window down. I sit there and literally at traffic lights, and I thought, How have I done this? I've got for an entire show. Oh, blah man. blah blah. And now, literally, as I drove past, went, I can't believe it. One nil. He gave away that penalty in the 83rd minute. We always do that, and I was like, brilliant. and not, not only do I know the result, I know exactly how and why. <laughs> So you've oh. got to be careful in booking stuff in. but it, And yeah. that's the thing. Normally it was just work you had to worry about, but then kids arrive. And I think the best thing is always to stay in your own house and then you're in control of the telly. You can't – what I'd say is for you, though, it's great with a newborn. We've said this before. Take your phone or your iPad with you wherever you go and then go, I'm just going to take the baby for a walk, and you just sit in the park and watch it. Yeah,
0: I think a newborn is perfect for the non-England games. Yes, but yeah, but when you want to have a drink and get into it, you can't concentrate on a child properly. No, I, I went during the 2018 World Cup. My daughter fell over, so she would have been eight months just before England columbia the second round game, oh about gosh. six p.m. She fell over and hit her head. Oh no, Annie! She was fine, Rob. She was fine. I've never in my life the word the thought of not now, not at this, <laughs> yeah. not at this. Not at this moment. Fratious Skull tomorrow. Come on, mate. So what happened? Well, we did uh, NHS 111 and they <laughs> took us through it. The, the advice of NHS 111, they did a load of things that we did. She was fine. And then it just slightly overshadowed the game, the build-up. But to be honest, I'm not good with build-up anyway. No, Rob.
2: you're not. In a way, it was a, it, was a, it was a good distraction. In a way, it was better that she hurt her head, just so you could focus on the game rather than worry the build-up. Do you know what I mean? Exactly, exactly. Do you want some uh, Instagram messages, Yes, please. Here we go. Um, I'm writing in. This is from... Matt, age 33 and a half. Hello, Josh and Rob. I'm writing in as the salty Josh stories have typically focused on him being salty when approached by fans or at work. However, to keep in line with the theme of the podcast, I write in with a tale of salty parenting by Josh on behalf of my sister who doesn't listen to the podcast. Oh, oh wow. But she's told this story and it's got back to us. My sister and husband and nephew live near Josh. I've encountered the infamous dodgy, the infamous dodgy traffic lark on many occasions when visiting yes. them. On one sunny morning a few weeks ago, my sister and her husband had taken my nephew to the playground with the big, long slides, which Josh often references. My nephew was about to get on one of the big slides when a child pushed in front of him. Oof. Not wanting to discipline somebody else's child, my sister and husband let it pass. However, the cue-jumping child's parent then approached. It was none other than Josh himself. No, she wouldn't have, she wouldn't have pushed in. Josh said to them, oh, did she push in front of him? And then proceeded to do absolutely nothing about it. Not true. Not true. And no apology on his daughter's behalf. No faux discipline of his daughter, even for show. He just carried on as if nothing had happened. No wonder she doesn't want to put on a coat with suboptimal parenting like that. Oh, my word. He's gone in on you here. That is an accusation. And I'm going to say it is bullshit. Because I, I tell
0: you what, I tell you my role at the park, Rob. Yeah. It is pure let loads of people push in front of us because i'm too too embarrassed to you're weak i'm you're, weak i'm you're totally weak at
2: the park you're a park bitch
0: yeah i have. i me and my daughter a park bitch there <laughs> there is no way that we if you were to do if you were to do a tally of cues that we've jumped versus cues that we've been jumped in front of i reckon we're i reckon we're about a mile behind <laughs>
2: Also as well, in your defence, you you will apologise for something that you haven't done. Yes, exactly. You are a, a very British apologist. Yeah, exactly. I'm an apologist. On a more serious note, as a father of two girls, uh, three and one, I've loved on the More podcast. serious note, that, that first accusation was pretty <laughs> serious, mate. Anyway, on a more serious note, as a father of two girls, aged three and one, I love the podcast. It's been super helpful in keeping me relaxed and upbeat, particularly as a one year old arrived mid pandemic. Hopefully, if you print this story, um, my sister and husband will become avid listeners too. I think, I think that's, I think they've they've made. I
0: don't want liars listening to this podcast, Rob. <laughs>
2: I, I, will, I, will, I will take liars. Um, yeah, I would. I mean, we'll I take anyone. Yeah, fine. Oh, oh, mildly salty Josh. Oh, it's all kicking oh, off, Josh. Oh, here we go, yeah. Bars on planes and mildly salty Josh. I've just listened to the episode where you talk about bars on planes and had to write in. So in a bit of a long story, I came to the if podcast. If this is about being drunk on a plane, then I plead guilty straight away. All right. Okay. <laughs> oh, this is a good one. And it's true. You've never let me say it. Anyway, about bars and the play, My friend told me when she was listening to this new podcast that you and Josh present, and I mentioned that I'd met Josh and he'd been a bit grouchy. Oh, well, that's fine. She laughed and said, so you, you had a salty Josh Widdicombe encounter. So I started listening and have been a loyal listener since. No kids and don't want them. So listening just reminds me of why my decision is a good one. Back in 2013... After last leg had kicked off, Josh flew Virgin Atlantic. I served him at the gate and he didn't even acknowledge me. Rude, I thought. Now, Josh says he's never experienced a bar on a plane, but that day he came through priority boarding for upper class, which unless it was too posture to queue, meaning he would have been flying. Upper class and Virgin have bars on their planes. Congratulations on the baby, Naomi. Uh, the
0: only time I've flown and had a bar on a plane was not 2013 i would have i think we would have just paid for priority boarding then. well I, the, the one time when we had a bar on an emirates flight was going to australia yeah. uh for filming uh the last leg in australia and yeah. we drank the whole way to dubai where we were changing not adam suffice to say me alex and uh the producer, Ben, who is – he's not the producer anymore. He is a liability in these situations.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, and especially you three all come from – I think – I don't know about Ben as much, but you and Alex Brooker have not been brought up with the lifestyle of flying business to Australia no. on a plane. So you just go fucking feral, yes. don't you, when it's your first –
0: We got to Dubai and they said – and you're like, you should have told us this six hours ago. We get to Dubai, we've been drinking for six hours. And they say, just so you know um, – it is illegal to be drunk in Dubai In the airport So you're going to need to sober up Or at least act sober
2: So you had to pretend to be sober in Dubai It was
0: genuinely terrifying <laughs> To
2: basically be given Plied with booze All
0: the way into a dry area Where it's illegal to be drunk
2: <laughs> Yeah
0: It's like being forced to a
2: christening Yeah In the <laughs> in the church Sat in the front You can't really be drunk in here What? <laughs> I, when I also when you go on the Emirates, they give you a little like bo- the little bag, do not they, with like goodies in and all that, like moisturisers and stuff and toothpaste. Yeah. When I first flew with them, those because I'd never flown like that before, and everyone else was like seasoned travellers, like frequent flyers. They didn't even want their bag of goodies, so I nicked them all. <laughs> I was like Del Boy. I came off that plane <laughs> with a holdall, and I had ten bags, and I wrapped them all up and gave them out as Christmas presents. <laughs> Walking oh. cliche. Um, oh dear. Um, right, right. Josh,
0: keep um, the salties coming in. I always enjoy oh, yeah. them, even if they are, you know, slightly fabricated.
2: Yeah. And also, I've been out on the piss a lot recently. So I'm sure there's a few salties in the bank for me. Yeah, I haven't. <laughs> One day again, I will be out on the piss and I cannot wait. Like, we've got an unsalty story from a locksmith here from East London. <laughs> Josh a <Riddickham>, great guy. <laughs> Splashing the cash around, even. (laughs) Yeah, he just sent this from his brand new iPhone 10. Whatever the new one is, 12, I don't know. Um, Right, Josh, um, who's on the podcast this week? Ah, now, Rob, I'm going to say it. Yes. You have brought
0: to us one of the great stiff neck bookings. (laughs) I mean... Anyone who saw
2: this listed would never have thought this is a Rob Beckett booking. Yeah. Do you know what? I just linked up with an author friend of mine online and said, hey... Do you want to come on and talk about being a parent and living in Denmark? Denmark? Living in Denmark? (laughs) I do really lose my stiff-neck credibility when I call Denmark Denmark by accident. Genuinely,
0: uh, absolutely fascinating. One of the most fascinating interviews we've done. And I'd say of all the interviews we've done, it's the one I've quoted the most to other people, in fact, since we've done it. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm going, you know in Denmark this? Do you know in Denmark that? I, I am a bore on the subject now,
2: Rob. <laughs> I know, everyone hates me about it. But yeah, Helen's brilliant. She's got loads of good books out about um being happy and or sad and living life. And this one's about when she went to Denmark with her husband because his job changed and then um they lived in Denmark for a year. It's called A Year of Living Danishly. And then they were trying for a baby and they were struggling to have a baby. And then when they moved to Denmark, she got pregnant and now she's got three kids and we spoke to her about bringing those kids up as a freelance journalist and living in Denmark. And um, yeah, it was great, really interesting Brilliant. and uh, really funny. And, uh, yeah, and uh, yes, a very stiff neck booking, but maybe Rob Beckett 2.0, maybe I've got a stiff neck, Josh. Let's get Helen Russell on. Helen Russell, welcome to the podcast.
4: Thank you so much for having me.
2: We're very excited. I'm I'm really overexcited. I've actually nearly fallen out of friends over you, you and your book, Helen, because I recommended it to so many people. I actually heard my brother today go, "Oh, not him and that fucking book again." Oh. Um, <laughs> it's just sort of made me feel like I was growing up at home again. Um, but uh, yeah, a year of living Danishly is the book we're talking about. Um, do, is it, would would it be better for me or for you to introduce what um what that book is and and how it came about, Helen? What you what do you reckon?
4: I can explain it. Yeah, so I was living and working for 12 years as a journalist in London. I was at Marie Claire magazine. I was sort of living the London life um, and then had no intention of leaving, but I was stressed all the time. I was tired, as many people are. Um, and I'd also been, we'd been trying for a baby for as long as my husband and I could remember. We'd had years of fertility treatment, but nothing seemed to be working. We were always so tired and stressed. And then one day, my husband came home and told me he'd been offered his dream job working for Lego in Denmark. And we knew nothing about Denmark.
0: Horse. It's the only job that's in Denmark, isn't it? <laughs>
4: It's that or it's bacon. Yeah, bacon. yeah, bacon.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And bacon. Let's yeah. get the bacon. I know this isn't the point, but we will get to it. But I do need to dig down in what his dream job working at Lego was and what his previous job that led to the <laughs> dream job working at Lego is.
4: I feel like I can't quite say the previous job because, you know, okay. LinkedIn, all those people. So, but it was working yeah. for a major grocer.
0: Was it Duplo, the previous job?
4: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was Connect. it gone up. <laughs> so, it was working for a grocer right. who had a lot of food products but were quite tight right. with them, perhaps. Um, and then he, he works in environmental stuff, so he got to do that for – he just loved Lego. He's loved Lego yeah. since he was little, so it was just, you know, super great for him.
2: I mean, I'll take yeah. a security job at Lego at this stage. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) just for the discount could I just ask one more question then we will move on
0: do they, Do you ever get any damaged, like like when I used to work at Waterstones? Say a book's cover got ripped, that's dibs. Anyone can have that. Oh. Is there a? Do you ever get damaged Lego?
4: No, because it's quite hard to damage Lego. Is, I mean, yeah. you can put it through the washing machine.
2: Yeah, <laughs> what, can you? yeah. Do you wash, yeah, wash, wash Lego. Is that a thing?
4: Well, I mean, well, why I'm on the podcast, I do have children now, and a lot of Lego does end up in pockets going yeah. through the washing. Mm. You hear a rattle, yeah. and that's never good.
2: Yeah, of course. Anyway, up. let's get off. Let's sorry, get off sorry, the Lego. sorry. Let's sorry, get back sorry. to your journey from being a journalist in stressed, yeah, stressed out London and then your partner got a job in Denmark his dream job for Lego yeah and you obviously at that point didn't have a job to go to in Denmark no. is that right
4: yeah so that was a bit terrifying and I, <laughs> I quit my job I thought oh, well I'll go freelance and then I thought I'd give it a year and see if I could if I could change the way I lived and, and, and get happier by Denmark had just been voted the happiest country in the world in these polls and mm. I started digging into that and found out that Danes had been voted the happiest nation in the world going back to the 70s so I became really interested in this and I started writing for British newspapers uh, as a freelancer about the Danish way of life and then looking at a different area of Danish living each month to see what Danes did differently. So then I wrote The Year of Living Danishly um, and halfway through my year of living Danishly, I found out that I was miraculously pregnant and, so, and now I also have twins. So I went on oh. from <laughs> in the space wow. of...
2: so your luck ran out. Oh my yeah. goodness. <laughs> And Denmark's just been voted the least unhappy place on earth with uh, everyone now with twins.
4: So, yeah, from thinking I was going to have no children and sort of trying to come to terms with that, in a very short space of time, I had three. And luckily, turns out Denmark's quite good for kids. But, yeah, a steep, steep learning curve. So,
0: Denmark, population about five million. I checked, I didn't know that. I've watched a documentary on Lego. Uh, <laughs> of course, I have. I'm sure Rob has watched it as yep. well. And. Uh, they're, they're based in like a small town that's just basically people who work at Lego, aren't they?
4: Yeah, that's right. I live in the middle of nowhere. No, I'm <laughs> not in the jazzy Copenhagen bit. It is the middle yeah. of nowhere in a place called rural Uland. Um and yes, there's not that much going on. I mean, we're very excited. Like post-COVID, the big four are open again. And the big four are Legoland, uh, Lego House, this place called Wow Park and the zoo. I mean, there's very little to do.
2: Wow Park sounds amazing. I mean, you're really setting your stool out if it's just a Ferris wheel, isn't it? Like, I
4: know, the arrogance.
2: <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's not very Danish, is it? Wow Park. It's true. And how old are your children now? Sorry, we didn't get their, their ages.
4: Yeah, so I have um I have a little uh, ginger child who no one knows where the ginger hair came from, but he is 7. Now and my twins are just turned 4. So we are busy. Oh,
2: oh blimey, that is a busy house. Oh yeah, so it's fairly recently then you, you wrote the book, um, and you've had about four since. You've absolutely you're banging out books at <laughs> the, the rate of children at the moment.
4: Well, there was a stage where I was just writing a book every time I had a baby, and then I thought, well, I want to write an- I don't want another baby. Like, how am I going to do this? But yes, <laughs> I think um, well, because I have to be here because my Danish is still terrible, um, and working as a journalist, I was a Scandinavia correspondent for the Guardian for a while. But actually, it's quite hard to react to news stories. I'd be asked, like, can I go and cover a bomb going off in Sweden? And I'd be like, no, I've got a shepherd's pie in the oven. It's very hard to do that once you have a kid. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. books work quite well
0: for that. So you moved over there. Your Danish is now not brilliant, you say. But presumably you had no Danish when you moved over there, right? Would that be fair?
4: No, no Danish. No friends, no family. I mean, it was quite a, a shocker.
0: What's that like?
4: Well, I you just sort of I don't often sort of take big risks with bravado, but I somehow agreed to move here, and then and then my husband left to go to work at seven thirty a.m. because the working day starts at eight here and ends earlier oh. as well. And I was just sort of in this bleak, in the middle of nowhere in January, and it was very much like the killing—just forests all around. <laughs> I thought, what have I done? Um, yeah, so I think. Work was a real salvation there, of just yeah. keeping busy, and that helped me meet people as well, and like build up friends around here. So, of course.
2: Yeah. and do, do you genuinely believe though that a, a, a slightly more relaxed way of life helped you get pregnant, or do you think it was, was more or more luck, or, or do or do you think it had a, had an impact?
4: Yeah, I definitely think it, it had it had an impact because there was. I'd been doing all of the things in London. I'd been, you know, going to um, St. Mary's Hospital and going to Tooting every, you know, every week, like three times a week, I was having all these appointments whilst trying to fit it in and around my really high powered job. And,
2: was that IVF? Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. And then and then here, it it was just a different pace of life. However, interestingly, uh, for having the twins, it's very hard to relax Enough to get pregnant when you already have a toddler, so that was IVF. That was, um, yeah. oh,
2: exactly. So the first one wasn't IVF, but the twins were yeah, IVF.
0: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. When you got there, did you? What were the main lifestyle changes? Because we talk about this more relaxed way of life, but that's kind of quite a nebulous idea. Because all I know currently is that you go to work at 8am, which to me sounds much, (laughs) much worse.
4: Yes, this is true. But you finish at four. And actually, um, the average day... an electrician. Yeah. The average (laughs) day does 33 hours a week, which is, you know, so much less than I was used to doing in London. And they're quite... um, There's this more of a mentality of um, you're trusted to do your job and then leave. There's no presenteeism. And, you know, back in many jobs in London... You know, you're pat on the back if you're still at your desk at 7 p.m. And that's not the case here. Somebody did it in Lego and they got a lecture on time management and a leaflet about efficiency.
2: (laughs) Oh, wow. They love a leaflet. Absolutely love a leaflet. Last stage of the working day. (laughs) You leave.
4: Yeah, so there's much more of an emphasis on, you know, you have to leave at four o'clock because everybody works, 80% of mothers work. You have to pick your kids up from daycare. And, you know, the men and the women are tend to be involved in the pickup, in, in making a, a home-cooked meal. Food is very expensive. Eating out is really expensive. So even before corona, most people are getting home to cook a family meal each night. So mm. it's there's just more of an emphasis on, on doing your work, getting home, having a life, doing lots of hobbies as well. That's big in Denmark.
0: Oh, wow.
2: And how how was it different, obviously, when... You- you didn't have kids and you were there. You are sort of alone. And I find having kids makes you sort of get into the local community more where, you know, when you're busy doing your own thing, you don't really notice. But when you've got to find a place for them to learn to swim or to find a nursery and stuff, how was it having a baby in that environment? Was it is it different to how you saw your friends and families with kids in the UK?
4: Yeah, yeah, for sure it is. And there's not really NCT type stuff. So I didn't have that ready-made friendship group for for new parents so i did have to to go out there and
2: i'm going to shock you here helen it's not a it's not a friendship group it's people (laughs) that you are forced to be in a whatsapp group with until you all decide you don't like each other and never message again so don't don't be sold this friendship group though.
4: <laughs> yeah, there's a it. reason
0: Danes are more happy, and they haven't got NCT. <laughs> That's the reason.
4: Yeah. So so there's a lot of that, and there's a lot of sitting around in cafes, and yeah, it's it's quite civilized. What I did find though is having twins, and maybe you've had guests on before who had a similar experience that you can't actually get to many of the child related activities because you can't get a double stroller anywhere. So I made some friends while I had one child, but when you have twins, it was impossible.
2: Oh, just because you the space. Oh, no, I think you can physically buy one, can't you? Or is it just not the space? In, well, it's not... so
4: I measured up. So the Danish pastries, that's another reason they're happier. The Danish pastries are amazing. And I measured up the doorway.
0: I, I don't know if I believe you now. What? <laughs> <laughs> The Danish pastries sounds like you've never moved to Denmark and you're now winging it. <laughs>
2: they must have actual names. The Danish pastries in da- Denmark,
0: yeah. don't they?
4: They're called um, Wienapol.
2: There we go. Now we're talking. Give me more of these Wienerpull. Wienerbread.
4: Like, Vien- Viennese Wienerbro. bread. And there's yeah. the, the frog snapper. The frog snapper. There's one called Baker's Bad Eye because it's got this creamy custard goo in the middle.
2: Oh, wow.
4: Baker's Bad
2: Eye. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like something horrific in Paul Baker, but sorry to bring the tone down, everyone. Um, um, so, you, the, the double stroller, you, you measured it, there was no space.
4: I measured the doorway to my favourite bakery before I bought the stroller to check it was, could still fit in. Yeah. <laughs> and it could. <laughs> His commitment to pastry <laughs> yeah it was a winner um but I found that lots of the baby activities I just couldn't maneuver it in or I couldn't carry the babies upstairs both at the oh, same time no. so it's a it's a shock
2: so they would have been you would have had a three-year-old and then the twins
0: yeah. would that be right
4: yeah a very angry red-headed three-year-old annoyed <laughs> at having to share with two babies yeah. yeah
0: and and so it's kind of a cafe culture is that is that a kind of way you'd describe it
4: yeah I think so and bakeries and and cough. They're big, big coffee drinkers. And so, yeah. actually, this whole idea of this hygge that has become quite famous over the last few years, but that, that having coffee and cake together is is a normal part of the day. So that was nice, and that's good for new parents. Uh, yeah,
2: yeah, because that isn't that the, in, in winter when it, when the, uh, you get, obviously it's dark so much earlier uh, and in the in the winter in Denmark that you sort of just try and make the home cozy and you want to stay in and get like warm and cozy rather than going out on the piss, Start we do in this country.
4: Yeah, exactly. And the weather is it, it's so bad. It's so cold and dark. Maybe. October through March um
2: that's a big part of the year isn't it to be happy (laughs)
4: yeah cram it all in in the summer but they have uh, they also let babies sleep outside in their strollers or in their in their big prams big kind of Mary Poppins style prams called barnaborns mm. and they sleep outside strapped in them so that they can't escape um up until minus 20 degrees
1: so oh. it, it
4: means parents could be inside the cafe just relaxing while the par- while the kids are outside no freezing so they just
2: leave them outside so is that why they obviously so they'll just leave them outside to sleep while they're in there having a cup of coffee yeah wow.
4: yeah wow it takes some getting used to but it's pretty good <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah there's a bit of a oh i shouldn't really but everyone else is doing it why
4: not yeah.
0: How did it feel the first time you did that?
4: Oh, well, I was shitting myself. I mean, I was, stand- <laughs> I was sitting by the window and sort of peeking quite a lot. <laughs> staring through. Just getting quite jittery on my third coffee of the day because I was so tired. <laughs> but, you know, they survived. Very good lungs now. Um, fresh air, good for the skin. So, yeah, they that's what they like to do.
0: And you said that kind of it's t- quite expensive to eat out or to drink. Or Can I have some, can I have some numbers on that?
4: Yeah, <laughs> You can have some stats, yeah.
0: How much is a pint?
4: Oh, okay. So I'd say, and maybe I've been out of London for too long, but I'd say a pint can be, you're probably looking at between seven and 10 quid. It's a lot, right?
2: That's the middle of nowhere. You're not even in a capital city.
4: Yeah, not even somewhere good. Yeah, so I think a supermarket shop is about 25% more expensive than in the UK.
2: Right. So all the shops are Waitrose.
4: Yeah, all the shops are Waitrose. (laughs) Um, And you're also paying really high income tax. So it is a bit of a shocker. But then once you see the welfare system and, you know, the education is all free and even private schools are subsidised, so there's a lot that people are looked after
2: yeah because yeah. they get from a, a childcare point of view is there not a lot there's a lot of support early on is that is that yeah. correct
4: yeah so you're guaranteed a place in you know high quality state-run daycare from six months old and so most kids are in daycare before they are one and that's every day because parents go back to work full-time there's not much of a part-time culture so much
0: keep talking here we go yeah, I know. i'm getting on the plane
4: so sometimes i listen to you guys talking about guilt about sending kids in yeah. for not all of the days yeah. and my kids have gone five days already week i mean you get 40 hours so the parents are only working 33 hours yeah exactly they just
2: sat there outside for seven hours in minus 20
4: there's a lot of coffee to drink it's
2: a real rota stuff going on with the <laughs> cake
4: well parents are very big into hobbies and they're very big into that you know putting the oxygen mask on first um so i think yeah they're quite they do have quite a nice life parents look after themselves
2: do you think it's a little bit of sometimes i think as a parent especially in the uk there is all this a lot of guilt and that you constantly go, is my child okay is my child okay and then what you then do is you you know um, you don't give yourself enough like time for your own self-care you know like a hobby or some relaxation so that actually by by a kid staying in daycare a little bit longer and you reading a book or doing some exercise you'll go into being a parent better because you've had your own your own time i think this country sort of no I've got to sort the kids out, but it's actually worse in a way because you're not you don't have time to chill yourself.
4: Yeah, I think that's definitely true. And but as you say, it's because it's what the people around you are doing. So mm. I don't feel bad about it because everyone around me is doing the same. But I'm sure if I was in the UK, I would have a massive guilt about it.
2: All. Yeah, of course. And 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 so were they in a five days a week from six months?
4: The ginger head one was um, <laughs> <laughs> because I had to write a book.
2: <laughs> uh, well, yeah, because that's I found that interesting. You don't give away a lot of names, so like your husband's I... called like Lego boy or Lego man and your kids of the ginger one and the twins and stuff yeah
4: because i just feel like and it's of course it's everyone's individual choice but i kind of want them to decide when they want to and also yeah it's a really small community and i didn't know how my book could be received and i didn't want my husband to lose his job and now it's kind yeah. of published in like 30 <laughs> countries around the world it and it would just be a bit awkward if
2: yeah i mean lego man it could be about twenty thousand people in exactly. just your village <laughs> yeah Everyone works at Lego.
4: Yeah.
2: Wow, Park Man, <laughs> when
3: oh. he changes his job.
1: <laughs> Hello, Alan Davis here, inviting you to join me by listening to a new podcast, Seven Pillars. Each episode, I'll be talking to a famous guest to discuss seven significant cultural influences, inspirations, or experiences. Seven things that helped shape them, that they loved or that they return to again and again and hold a special place in their life. From films and music, books, food, places and memories, the podcast asks seven questions that will spark stories for the guests and give the listener an insight into the minds and passions of some of the most interesting comedians, actors, writers, philosophers and raconteurs around. Starting with comedian Romish Ranganathan in episode one, which is out now. And in the coming weeks, we have Hollywood actor Walton Goggins, comedy legend Joe Brandt, author and intellectual heavyweight jay perini and many more you can find the show by searching seven pillars on all podcast platforms and what
0: point in the year because obviously you've gone there and you say you're like it's your husband's gone to work and it's 8 a.m and you're in the middle of a forest basically (laughs) on day one how long did it take before you thought this is for me i'm gonna stay
4: well, I think I thought it was quite nice. So, about
2: 200 pages
0: of the book. That summer,
4: yes. Yeah. <laughs>
2: it's not, it's not an easy convincing is
1: it Helen I yeah, like... it, I, yeah
4: I think that's fair Rob yeah I think it took a while I think it took really I had by the end of my pregnancy by the end of the year as it's starting to get darker I knew I wasn't my doctor said I wasn't allowed to get on a plane anymore so then I sort of thought well it's going to be more than a year here because I can't go anywhere and then once I had my son here and realized how good it was for kids so I think it probably took the whole year to decide okay mm. we'll give it another year but we've only ever said oh one more year one more year and yeah yeah Here we are still here. Oh,
0: really? So do you imagine you'd come back one day?
4: Well, I'd like to, but I feel as though I haven't really been able to spend much time in the UK because either my twins were really small, so I was only going for overnight for work stuff, and then COVID happened, so I really feel very out of touch I need to sort of spend mm. some good time in the UK and just get it's going really right well here. over here it's <laughs> yeah, going really well I, I
0: don't that.
2: know if you're across <laughs> the news but yeah.
0: everyone's really Absolutely happy over here.
4: It.
2: it's yeah. the equivalent if you were in a pub with your mates and we were trying to convince you to come to our pubs it's empty with one bloke in the corner smoking that is all that's happening
4: <laughs> and it smells of we yeah
2: and it sticks up here but do you know what we're getting injections we we are good at injecting people in some places <laughs> Um, the one thing, though, because I, I follow you on Instagram that looks very stressful uh, living um, in Denmark with the kids is sometimes if I just go to the park and I try and put them in a mud, like a mud suit or something. But when it's winter, that just getting myself dressed for a really cold day exhausts me and tires me but when I looked at your it was like (laughs) I think you had all of the outfits you need for three children like toddlers and babies to wear and they were just like thermal trousers thermal tops hats gloves boots and then these like waders all like little fishermen like (laughs) I just it was giving me like an anxiety attack just looking at how many layers a kid needs for that weather
4: it is quite stressful, but it's almost like you have kind of selective memory because I've almost wiped that out. That was winter. I'm not going to think. Winter winter's so awful. I'd, I'm not going to think <laughs> about that till next winter. So now we're in um, springtime where they have yeah. to wear wind suits, which just makes me think of. What's
2: a wind suit?
4: It's like, you know, like your grandma might wear a quilted jacket, a sort of padded, but quilted. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: yeah. It, yeah. They
4: wear that top and bottom. Or they wear right. rain suits right. top and bottom.
0: What's it like at the height of summer then?
4: <laughs> well, <laughs> actually, no, at the height of summer, it, it can be really hot, global warming and everything. Right. Um, yeah, that's, so last that's positive. Summer, I tried to take the kids home. Uh, in just their pants and I thought it's Scandinavia people are quite liberal it's a five minute walk I thought they can just walk in their pants and the teacher told me I couldn't do that so um, oh, really? they're, they're quite rule abiding and that there is yeah. some line I had crossed there but it can get hot
2: oh, we, what, you can't wear they're a bit it's a bit stiff necky I'd say for um from a, <laughs> a point of view of this podcast they love a rule
4: yeah they do really love a rule yeah and that but I think that's why they did quite well on COVID at the beginning or not having such a bad response to covid because yeah. everybody just followed the rules and did as they were told.
2: Yeah. Yeah, especially in the winter that you stay in anyway. It's yeah, not exactly. lockdown is basically eight months of the year.
0: Well,
4: the big four are shut, Rob. So what are you going to do? The Big
2: four what are you do? <laughs> if, if Wild Park shut. I'm not socializing. <laughs> I don't know about
0: you. That's how they stopped covid. They they closed Wild Park, that was it. <laughs>
4: And so, what
2: are the, what are other parents like with their kids um, compared to British? Would would another because per- in Britain, if a kid's being naughty, you won't tell them off because it's too British and uh, an awkward. But would would a, would a Dane say tell your, tell your kid off if they're breaking the rules?
4: It's so weird because Danes are quite private, so usually. They won't. But I seem to have a face that invites people offering their opinions on stuff because I do get told off quite a lot. But I know that, like, the cliche is that Danes will not interfere with your parenting. But I get a lot of advice. Oh, really? So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Because there's rules about how warm you're supposed to dress a child, you know, like the windsuit or the snowsuit yeah. or, or your balaclava's not on enough. And I get quite a lot of feedback about that. But I don't know that that's universal.
0: Do you, do you think there's like a different. I know it comes about culturally or whatever, but do you think the Danish personality is different to the British personality? Like, could you imagine a lot of these things catching on in the UK even, you know the 33 hour week or whatever, or is it a kind of inbuilt thing in the Danish psyche?
4: That's really interesting. I think there's there's definitely a bit of that because they have this thing called Yante's law, which is this idea that everyone is equal. Um, so you're not supposed to show off. So pretty people who come from the UK or the US to work in Danish companies, for example, get quite teased about their CVs because your CV is all about <laughs> showing off and, and that's just not done yeah. here. And I think as well, Interestingly, looking at schools, as I have been recently, since the Second World War, education and democracy have been quite intertwined in Denmark because it was occupied by the Germans. And so there was a real emphasis on teaching kids to question authority um, uh-huh. because they didn't want to find themselves in that position again. So interestingly, you know, Hitler has made Danes quite um, quite questioning of authority and quite uh, independent, but not thinking they're better than anyone else. So it's it's yeah. Quite a different psyche, I'd say, to the UK one.
2: Do you notice your kids are more Danish than they are English now?
4: Yeah, it's exhausting. (laughs) 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 Mummy,
2: my balaclava's not all right. (laughs) Sorry, halfway through that, I tried to do a Danish accent and I had no idea what one was, so I just did Aussie English.
1: Uh, sorry sorry
4: like margot from the good life um um, everyone is equal so teachers and parents aren't treated with any reverence you know because Mm. because they're older um and also they don't really they don't call them like toddler tantrums in denmark they call it the boundary years so it's um it's very much about oh you're just testing your boundaries and that is seen as a good thing so Uh. i think yeah my kids definitely know that they can push and question things. I'm sure that is good in the long run, but it is quite tiring. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I suppose you, you'd, you'd notice more, I don't know if you've got like like friends of kids or um, your own, mm-hmm. uh, with any nieces or nephews, but when they get together, how different they might be because of COVID and stuff like that. I think that's when it will, be, it will really show that sort of culture clash that you just sort of are used to now. Yes. Um, With things like that. But I think that's a bit of a PR PR spin, isn't it? Just testing their boundaries as they're like screaming in your face and hitting you. (laughs) They're just testing their (laughs) boundaries.
4: Yeah. I think what's also frustrating for me as a writer is that the emphasis on reading is so much later here. So – uh-huh. kids don't learn to read properly till they're about eight. And I'm sure oh, yeah. I was like smashing through books at that age, but there's just very much like working on the social stuff first. And yeah. yeah, that's great. But
2: I think that's very important though, because even like my daughter's school, it's there's some kids there that can like fluently read, like read and write, because they went to these preschools where basically they tell you by the leaving preschool and you start school, you can sort I can't remember what they're called, but like they try and get you to reading and writing levels. So it's like some wow. pi- some parents are so really obsessed with that But I'm like, it's such a small part of what makes someone like a sort of a good, a successful person. Grown up, isn't it? The reading and writing, it's the, the social skills, the sport, the being able to read social interactions and stuff like that. I think, and I think that's maybe that in, in Denmark they sort of prioritise that over the the reading because most people could read and write by, you know, no one's urgently needing to read or write by five, are they? No, I mean, it's, it's not like a panic station. <laughs> that's true. It's like you get to a, a restaurant and go, "Well, are you reading the menu or not? Because I've, 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 I've had enough today." <laughs>
0: Do you find you're at home, you're going, I'm going to smuggle in some kind of English teaching here and teach them to read and write
4: oh my god well lockdown when we to have to teach oh it's terrible at homeschooling I really thought I'd be quite good at it because I'm quite you know I wanted to quite a lot be a blue peter presenter when I was growing up and I'm quite like cheerful and I quite like craft and I thought I'm gonna nail this I'm gonna absolutely smash it and I was so frustrated and because they teach everything very differently to the way we were taught in schools mm. yeah I was not a good lockdown teacher
0: <laughs> so <laughs> what kind of things are they teaching them when you say it's kind of social learning and stuff what kind of things are you learning in danish primary school or whatever the equivalent is
4: well they've i mean they've they're doing a unit on habitats right now and they've done units on space i mean it's just weird that they know about greek mythology but they don't know how to spell Greek mythology <laughs> i mean it's just odd it's an odd
2: combination so they'll be talking to you about different greek myths but can't yeah. read and write yet. Yeah,
4: yeah exactly yeah um, And tonight when i was putting my son to bed he said um you better let me go to sleep or I'll have your guts for garters. I was like, all oh, right, thanks. And then he said, and I'll, and I'll have your nose for a hose. And then he just started rhyming all these bits of bodies he was going to, I mean, it's just odd, the level <laughs> and the, the things that they pick up. It's just strange.
0: <laughs> and so would you, if you brought those kids back into the UK now, it'd be a real kind of culture. They'd go to school and this teacher would be like, well, they. I don't know what group to put them in. They're both the cleverest and the least clever child <laughs> I've got, ever
2: taught. <laughs> At the age of eight. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, Just sack at, sat in the back smoking a cigar, uh, completely illiterate, <laughs> but talking about the pros and cons of different philosophers.
4: Oh, and also because they're very open to risk. So my, my son goes to scouts and they I got a message from the teacher, from the, well, the scout leader last week saying, on Wednesday we'll make a campfire, bring daggers. So, like, they're all tooled up. They can use swords <laughs> and axes And they have their own knives Bring daggers
0: Yeah Oh yeah But I live in East London And the schools are very similar
2: (laughs) To that (laughs) 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 Little Danish road men uh, And scouts But the thing is they, they, they're quite brutal with, with animals as well because it, it, the Copenhagen Zoo got in trouble, didn't they, with the giraffe and stuff yes. like that and what they exposed kids to. Have, have they um, – you can correct me on this, but they basically – they had too many giraffes, so they killed the giraffe and then they basically dissected it in front of school <gasps> groups. Yeah. What? And so <laughs> school, school kids could go and watch a giraffe and they'd cut open the giraffe and go and look at all its organs. Is that, is that
4: right, Helen? Yeah, that's right, Marius. R.I.P. Marius. Yes. Oh they word. do that and they do that. But you know what? No Danes were surprised at all. And every Dane I speak to will have a story from their youth from a school trip where they said, Oh yeah, we went to go and see a lion get dissected, or like, yeah, we went round an abattoir as our school trip when we were in middle school. <laughs> so it's just very normal.
2: Wow. No wonder they could they don't teach him to write. Imagine the complaints I'd <laughs> get the diary entry.
4: Well, you mean Nordic Noir is no surprise at all.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, imagine what did you do at school stage? So my teacher shank up a lion. <laughs> and so have, have your I mean, your kids might be too young for that, but have they been to anything like that? Like the seven year old have seen any of that kind of stuff.
4: He hasn't yet, but they've because we're in the countryside, I mean there's a lot of roadkill, so we see quite a lot of dead stuff hanging about. And um he's sort of yeah, he got his head around that. And I guess it's better that he learns that way than, you know, learning it first when a close relative dies or someone you love dies. Yeah. Yeah, so teaching about death.
2: I don't dissect them as well, do they? Helen, seems a bit too brutal. (laughs) I'll
4: I'll check. Bad
2: news, Nan's gone, but science is looking lively next week. It's biology (laughs) called Spunk
0: This is from a very personal, just my own interest. How would it be for me out there as a vegetarian?
4: Well, um, I would like to tell you that eight years ago, it would have been terrible and you would have starved and only eaten Danish pastries. However, recently it's got a lot better I think Copenhagen's fine and you there's everything and Aarhus is another big city when there's everything. But where I am, there was no provision for vegetarians when I first came here. You'd get sort of you'd ask for the salad or a vegetarian salad and there'd be sort of chicken on <laughs> sprinkled on top. Um, there was just that, no yeah. comprehension. And people sometimes yeah. thought the chicken didn't count. So that was bad. But now we've got a vegetarian restaurant. Um mm. there's Ooh. vegetarian options, so yeah, it's fine now. There's kimchi in the in this in the supermarket.
1: Oh yeah,
2: oh, you'll be sorted, Josh. That's all you need—a bit of kimchi. I'm sorry, I'm like, I love, a, I love a bit of kimchi. Yeah,
4: so it's good. alive. Oh. It's
0: it is alive, isn't it? I don't know. I don't yes. understand the science you of want it. your yeah.
4: three, your three Ks: your your kafir, your kombucha, and your kimchi. We haven't got kombucha yet here yet.
0: This
2: is the most guardian this podcast
0: has ever <laughs> no, gone. No, sorry. The, no, do you know what, Helen? The the biggest surprise is that Rob booked you. This is a booking that I would have made. <laughs> this is an absolutely <laughs> oh, perfect, thanks, Josh booking. <laughs> Like, when Rob suggested you, I was like, what, has my phone gone wrong? And I've texted myself. I don't understand how this has happened.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, I always started off this podcast because I wanted to know if you could get kombucha in Danish supermarkets, (laughs) and now (laughs) I know. You know, so this is
0: complete for me. No. But can you
2: imagine the cost of it? It's pretty
0: punchy in London.
4: Oh, my God. God. It would be 20 quid, no problem,
2: yeah. What, for a kombucha? I mean, I don't even know what it is, but I don't want to spend 20 quid on it. What's kombucha? Is that the drink?
4: It's like fermented tea. Is that right, Josh?
0: Yes, yes, it is. Yeah, sure.
2: Yes, see those.
0: Well, my my—I'll be honest with you. My my mother-in-law <laughs> is all over the three Ks.
2: What? what? She racist? <laughs> <laughs> you guys have a bit too much info. Her redlessly racist mother-in-law. But let's not get bogged down by that. Everyone's got a past. <laughs> childcare, childcare. <laughs> With the kids and stuff like that, how, how, what, what's the, the birthday party score? Because we were speaking about this. Isn't it led by the teachers at the school, birthday parties for kids? Because yeah. in the UK, it's an absolute political nightmare. It's like a cobra meeting with your partner, trying to organise it, who to invite and, what, and stuff like that. How does it work in Denmark?
4: It is brilliant. So tomorrow, my twins have got a birthday party, but all it means is that I don't have to make them a packed lunch, which making three packed lunches a day is real Borlake. So they are going to go to their daycare and then the parents of the birthday girl will take them to their home and they will have a party for an hour of chaos and cake. And then they will come back to school and I will pick them up and then that will be done.
2: Oh, my God. That is the dream.
4: Yeah. And I haven't quite been able to do it yet because it's been locked down for their birthdays and various things. But, yeah, it's it's the dream.
2: So, so if it was your kid's birthday, you'd go to the daycare and get all the kids in that class.
4: But you also get the teachers. So you're getting that supervision as well. Um,
2: and then you just come to your house and have yeah. a party and then done in an hour. Yeah. And then the teachers take them back and you can tidy up. Yeah lovely oh my god that is the dream <laughs> yeah and are all the
4: parties the same they're not really sort of entertainers and all that you literally come around have some food run a, run around and break some stuff and then go
0: and what's it been like with people coming over and visiting you then with keeping in touch with friends and stuff like have you kept in touch with them do they come and visit you because i've got friends that have like moved to cambridge and i've visited them <laughs> once in three years
4: <laughs> <laughs> so you're telling me you're a terrible friend Yeah, I'm Um, (laughs) I'd say pre-COVID, we did quite well. It was quite busy. The summer months, quite busy. Um, But, yeah, it's very interesting. You do see people who I thought were some of our best friends have just not visited at all, and people who I hadn't thought it was a particularly close bond have been over loads, and we've become a lot closer during that time. So, yeah, it definitely highlights things, I think.
0: When they turned up, the people without the close bond were like, (laughs) what are you doing here? (laughs) Why Wait. have you turned up? I hardly know you. Free yet. holiday, isn't it? <laughs> Look, I know the WoW Centre's <laughs> around the corner. have <laughs> it's not called the WoW Centre? The WoW Centre sounds it's like the an park. STD clinic.
2: <laughs> the wow I've got to pop down the WoW Centre. I had a bit of a busy one <laughs> last weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed I'm all right um and that, so there's no plans to move back at the moment you're happy where you are with the kids and stuff like that
4: i i don't know i yeah it's it's a really good place to raise kids and it's very there's no reason to leave other than that i'm not danish my danish is not brilliant i'm not sure this will ever feel completely like home yeah. but it'll be a big wrench when we do
2: of course and, and with the rest of the education how does it work is, is it is it is it state paid for university is that correct
4: yeah they get so you get to study for free till you're 18 and then after the age of 18 you get paid to study with student grants
0: no way
4: so yeah they still get all that and oh really yeah it's everything is a pretty good deal compared to other places
2: yeah that sounds like a sort of a panicked daily mail hell headline of like (laughs) mad lefties with plans to pay kids to go to uni (laughs) paid paid for piss up
0: by by the taxpayer but I suppose if you're a student, it must be, I was paying 160 a pint when I was a student, and those students are looking at seven to 10 pounds <laughs> oh, a pint.: Yeah Jesus) <laughs>
4: Well, I think interestingly, you can buy um, beer and stuff from the age of sixteen, and then it's spirits is from eighteen. But I did a piece for for the Guardian, sorry, about um, Gen Z, and I followed this this girl when she was uh, turned sixteen for her birthday party, and she had to do um, as many shots as she, her age, so she had to do sixteen shots, and then she her, her mum gave her a puke bag to uh, do the puke into, and apparently this was tradition when you turn sixteen in Denmark. And then I caught up <laughs> with her again as she turned twenty one this year, um, and she said, yeah, we don't we don't do that so much now so I think it has changed a little bit I think the drinking culture
2: wow I was going to say good luck on our 50th your last <laughs> one your shit face.
4: free healthcare fine
2: yeah. yeah. Um. so so that was a bit old school a bit of an old school tradition on the 16th in that uh...
4: yeah I mean, it's still quite quite boozy it's, it's pretty boozy and actually for, for your 25th birthday if you're not married and none of them are married by 20, 25 they get um, tied to a lamppost and someone throws cinnamon at you just just because <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, Helen. You've won your bet. We'll believe anything, okay?
4: <laughs>
2: yeah. so is that boys and girls at
0: twelve, yeah, men and women and at twenty-five.
4: Yeah, it used to be. Um, I think tr- traditionally it was because um, if sailors went to sea to find spices, this is what I've been told by the Viking people. Um, then, and if they weren't married, you'd throw the spices back at them, and then they just included it to women, very egalitarian, um, and chuckle. But the means streets smell lovely the next day. It's great.
2: Yeah, just people tired to lampos getting pelted with cinnamon. Would you be up for that, Josh? Is that something you'd like? Well, I just,
0: I, is, it, is, it, is it ground or is it sticks? It's, what, what kind of...
4: it's ground. It's ground. It's ground. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay
0: that's fine. Um, yeah, it does smell nice, doesn't it, cinnamon? If I had to choose something from the spice <laughs> drawer to be thrown at me on my 25th birthday, it'd be on the top three. <laughs> One thing I'm kind of like interested in is that obviously they come top of these studies of happiness and stuff like that. But obviously that's a statistical thing or it's people answering a survey or something. Would you say on your day-to-day life you can feel that about people? Do you know what I mean? You can feel a different atmosphere.
4: Yeah, I think Danes feel very lucky to be born in Denmark because they're all very well educated because all this education is free and they travel a lot back when we could travel. So they do see the rest of the world and see what a good deal they have on the whole. But also Denmark, it's not necessarily that they're the happiest, but they're the they're the least unhappy. So many of the reasons for unhappiness have been taken away, like, you know, uh, job insecurity or health insecurity. Because this welfare state looks after people, there are there are fewer reasons to to fall through the net and not be looked after. Mm. so they have a really nice baseline to work from so I think yeah most people are they're not sort of wandering around singing zippity doodah but they are pretty content with their life I'd say
2: and, and there's not people that have been really sort of left on their own in society to sort of, you know, s- sort of suffer as much as are in other countries. So I imagine the mean average of happy is a lot higher. There's not people in terrible situations yeah. bringing, bringing down the average.
4: Yeah, I think so. And, it, you know, it's not perfect by any means. There's still like many of the challenges that other countries face. And I just wrote a new chapter for the end of the of Living Danishly updating since I moved here. And actually, you know, they've, they've got a racism problem the same as as many countries have. There's there's not... this egalitarian idea and that everyone is equal doesn't always apply when it comes to people from different countries so as an immigrant me coming here as a as a blonde-haired middle-class white woman um I had a different experience that I have learned than people coming from like Syria or from Turkey yeah it's not perfect by any means but the theory is that everyone pays their taxes so that everyone is looked after that's the, that's the goal.
2: And you've you've written another a few other books as well, Helen, if you wanted to mention them. A, a, a lot of it is about being happy and and, and and How to Be Sad is your most recent book, is that correct?
4: Yeah, so I was basically, back when we could travel, I was going around the world talking about my books and, and speaking to people and, and um, being on panels and talking about happiness. And you did I, a
2: TED Talk. That's very exciting, Helen, a TED Talk.
4: did a TED Talk, thanks very much. Thanks very much. Um, yes, uh, what happiness looks like around the world. But I would speak to people and they would ask how they could be happy And often at times in their life when really this wasn't possible, like if they just lost a loved one or been made redundant. And I came to realize that many of us have a very narrow definition of happiness that means never being sad. And that is not possible. And Mm. actually, if we try and uh, suppress our so-called negative thoughts, it actually exacerbates them and makes it worse. And there are some good things about being sad. It it can make us kinder and more clear eyed. and, And it's really how we have to live because sadness happens to all of us and especially teaching kids to be okay with sadness felt really important. So yeah, that's what I've been working on and I think personally I've had my little sister died when I was little. So I have been aware of sadness for a long time but trying to research into happiness and having kids myself really brought it all into relief for me how how important it is to deal with these emotions even with kids even when we think kids can't understand these things
2: yeah we do have to talk to kids
4: about sad stuff too
2: yeah, of course. I think having kids is sort of a, a lot of stuff in your past that you sort of have dealt with and haven't dealt with sort of rears its head because you, you you have to go through certain life events that you've sort of hidden away. When you're running around and your career's the most important thing in your life, all of a sudden you have are have to think about first days of school or when something bad happened or mm-hmm. someone at school did this and that. And it takes you back there. So it's I think it sometimes creeps up on you once you have kids. You sort of think you're pretty uh, chill, but all other things start popping up. I don't know if you found that.
4: Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's like losing a layer of skin, isn't it? Having kids. I mean, suddenly, yeah. I mean, just the teariness <laughs> gets like cranked up and not. Yeah. And just everything. Yeah. You, f- I felt like I felt everything a lot more once I'd had kids. Um, yeah. You're
2: more vulnerable. Yeah. Because yeah. before, it's just you. You're out there on your own. You've got no real responsibilities. Before you know it, you've got, you know, it's like, it's like going outside without your wind coat on, I imagine, <laughs> in a jutland.
4: I wouldn't know, Rob. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> 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 your balaclava's just to the left.
0: You know and yeah. so so, if you came back to the u k do you think you'd live a different life in the u k to the one you were living before you left?
4: Yes, I think so, because my kids would be used to such a different way of life. I mean, they'd be tooled up with their daggers for one thing, but you yeah. know we, it would be more outdoorsy, <laughs> and yeah. I yeah. think I would be mindful of you know actually uh, and from my kind of professional work and a lot of the research I've done into emotions and mood that actually I'm aware now that we are not more productive when we work all of the hours that we are yeah. sent. The the Malcolm Gladwell study, the 10,000 hours thing, a lesser reported part of that study showed that the more successful people actually are the ones who rested more. And so I think the Danes are really good on that. They work hard and then they play hard and they sleep. I'd do that a bit more.
2: I think so. That's, uh, that's my new approach from reading your book and doing stuff like uh, calming down, Helen. That's my new approach. Josh is still rewriting chapters of his book at 3 a.m. after a night feed. which I'd argue is not the it's not the art of living (laughs) Danishly
4: it is hard though like I'm not you know I'm not some higher level being these days I am sitting I'm speaking to you right now from a cupboard because it is because in Scandinavia nobody has carpets or curtains so everything's very echoey I'm in a cupboard but this is um where The Swedish, uh, the Swedes have a phrase: "Your small tonstalla," your symbolic strawberry patch, and it's a place everyone has in their house where they can escape to when it's all too much. And so, once Mm. people have kids, they have like either a cupboard that they hide in, or like in the car. And so, I'm in this cupboard, which has become mine. And there've been times, you know, when the kids are little and they're all screaming, and there's so many of them and they're so loud. Yeah, in this cupboard, I have, I can see right now, a gin miniature. And a packet of Nicorette chewing gum that a friend sent me when she said, "You don't sound like you're coping." I'm going to send this to you. I've never smoked. She just said it might just take the edge off.
2: So, <laughs> so, so from the happiest place in the world, just sat in a cupboard with gin and Nicorette, yes. even though you don't smoke.
4: Yeah, but it's nice. You know, it's nice to know it's there if I need it.
2: I was going to say though, I think have, just by the Scandinavians and the Swedish having a word for that place you escape to just shows we haven't even got a word for it in England. Yeah, I have. It's called the the, the corner of the spare bedroom behind the washing (laughs) is where I lie when it's near bedtime (laughs) to get away from one but I haven't got a one so what's the name of that place that you
4: hide um it's called a small tronstella it's a symbolic strawberries patch but yeah
2: a symbolic strawberry patch okay I'll have to call it that from now on where do you go and hide Josh before you where do I go and hide yeah
4: don't tell because then they'll know I I don't know where
0: do I go and hide obviously I'll take a lot longer on a piss than I actually need does that count (laughs) yeah
2: but it would be very bleak to say the toilet. That's the worst place oh, yeah. to hide in the world. Yeah, the and best it... advice someone gave me is never rush a shit. Because that is <laughs> something that you could, you've got to stand firm with that. Take your time. But I wish,
0: what I wish I'd done is I wish in the first years of my relationship, before we'd had children, I'd taken longer in the toilet so that the comparison in times
2: wasn't as stark as it is. Yes, you should have. That's a good tip. Build up the length in the toilet just so it's not a shock when it comes around.
4: That's a long game, isn't it? It is (laughs) a
2: long game. (laughs) It's a long to anyone without children listening. That's my (laughs) happiness tip. So I'd
0: say listen to Helen rather than listening to me. Um, And so, well, we say I made book changes at 3 a.m. after night feed, which is true. But you were writing books which have all the kind of, things that could be said to be all-encompassing. That would be one of the kind of jobs that would be. Do you find you're able to, at 4 p.m., close the laptop and not work for the rest of the day and do stuff like that?
4: It's really hard, but I haven't had a choice. So I think it's very good for things like, you know, writer's block. I can't afford to have writer's block because I know that by 4 p.m., my kids will be out on the street. So I really have to go and pick them up. So yeah, I'll sometimes wake up in the middle of the night with a thought, oh, I wish I'd done this or I should put this in something. But it's just not an option. So yeah. I have had to just work within that parameter.
2: I've always thought writers' blocks bollocks.
4: Yeah, yeah.
2: And it, I think it's just people that are a lazy or not got enough on.
4: <laughs> My writer's
2: block really cleared up when I was due to be in the pub at 8 o'clock and I needed to get another 100 words or what like 200, 500 words done.
0: Yeah. I think that's the thing with kids though, isn't it? You work so much more effectively when you've got kids because I like, I found that with like stand up, where I was like, oh, I've got to actually properly write this stuff for this gig because I've only got this many gigs until I'm doing the tour. And it just makes you focus. And that's kind of like the Danish thing of just eight or four, you will focus. Are you going on Facebook less? Are you doing all that kind of extra stuff less during that time?
4: Yeah, I'm trying to. And I think Danish, in Danish workplaces, there there is far less of a culture of just spending time on Facebook and and just wasting time that way. Um, I try to do that. But as with, if you're freelance and you're trying to, Mm. if you make anything and you have to then try and get it out into the world, I have to do social media for that. And that, and I fall down rabbit holes just as much as anyone. Yeah, so that's hard. So that's tricky. But, yeah.
2: So you, obviously, because you're freelancing and working at home, do you notice that your husband who goes to a Danish workplace, is has he become slightly different to you in, in different approaches to work? Because he's sort of surrounded by it where you are working on your own most of the time.
4: Oh, I think I'm quite disciplined because I've had to be. And he, when it was proper lockdown, he had to be at home. I think he found it really hard to be like, (laughs) what are you doing? Should we have a cup of tea? No, go and do some work. (laughs) Um, But I think the only real thing, and I'm not sure this quite answers your question, is that he now speaks with a sort of a pan-continental accent. Is that Because to try and make yourself understood when there is people have, have all different language backgrounds He speaks very clearly, whereas I can still waffle very fast in a very obviously British accent.
0: So he's done the reverse Schmeichel.
2: But a lot of football managers, when they do go and manage abroad, they get like the mickey taken out of them when they're getting interviewed in this country because they're sort of, and we play the game. And we yeah. we win in the first half, and then lose in the second. They sort of this weird. They sort of doing an impression of a Danish person speaking the second language, which is English. Which is so so is it sort of a bit more of a deliberate, more uh, more European accent he's got now. I
4: think that's right. Yeah, it's deliberate. Yeah. That's the word.
2: Yeah, deliberate, slow and deliberate. Yeah. Okay, it sounds like one of my reviews.
4: <laughs> <laughs> At least you were deliberate. Yeah, exactly. I
2: meant it. I meant it. <laughs>
0: No one's ever described you as slow, Rob. Too, no, fast. No, true, too
2: fast. Too fast. Shut up, mate. I was in the car by 9.30. When I first started in comedy, I did a gig at a competition. It was so, I did it so, my, I used to do it, you remember, Josh, I was, it used to be so fast yeah, to the point used... it was actually a style more so than just a speech pattern. And uh, my dad, after the gig, come over to me and went, are you on gear? Because he thought I'd <laughs> done coke because I was speaking so fast. I thought like, I was nervous. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Um, Helen it's been genuinely I'd
0: say one of the most fascinating conversations we've had and I include Joe Swash in that <laughs> oh, <I
2: wanted. laughs> uh, thanks Helen it's been it's amazing we have got one last question we'd like to ask everyone um, which is involved is it Lego Man you refer to as yep, your partner yep. Lego Man um, what's the one thing that Lego Man does parenting wise that really frustrates you but you've not brought it up because it might cause an argument it, this is your opportunity to get okay. it off your chest now in case Lego Man has a listen
4: yeah I think I have brought up many of the things. So I'm trying to think of a fresh one. Okay, yeah, yeah. um, I think, so he he has a life mantra that he picked up working in a pub in Sheffield growing up, <laughs> um, which he, he yeah. now brings into our home more often than I would relish. And okay. he's not very good at resting because his boss in the Sheffield pub used to say, if you've got time to lean, you've got time to clean.
2: Okay. And
4: so he basically, if anyone's sort of trying to, sit down if the kids are watching telly and I sit down with them or if, if anyone's just not doing something for a minute he'll be you've got time to lean time to clean and he wants us doing things and yeah oh. that's, oh,
2: quite that's me. Yeah, it's a bit annoying as well especially that when something like uh, you've must have you've obviously like, heard that for like probably 10-15 years
4: yeah yeah, yeah, long
2: time, and it's, and also you, you're not gonna you know you're not gonna get a three year old to clean. Just, <laughs> what, just say that. It, it just, it's take just take that on as my mantra. I know
0: that I've, I know I've I've learned the wrong thing from this conversation, have, but yeah. I've yeah. But genuinely, that is a great rhyming
2: mantra, and I'm going to stick with it. There must be a better mantra he can pick up at Lego, surely? Oh. Fucking hell, he's still riding out the the pub landlord's one. <laughs>
4: I know we'll go with everything is awesome instead, but yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah everything's awesome. Perfect, Helen. Thank you so Helen, much. It's and, um, been brilliant. Some, where can you get the books? Is that they paperback now? The, the, um, the
4: Still ones? hardback. How to be sad, but the others are all out on paperback. Um, I'm at Ms. Helen Russell on the socials, and books are wherever you get your books.
2: Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks so Lovely much, Helen. To speak
4: to you. Take care.
2: Helen Russell there. The, the Guardian journalist and author, Josh. A stiff neck booking by a stiff neck in loose neck clothing. And next week, Rob, yeah I've booked Vicky Patterson. <laughs> 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 it's a cultural exchange. Queen of the jungle, she was. Was she? Yeah, I could be. Yeah, it's weird. Woo. And then then it was followed up by Scarlet Moffat. It was a double oh. Geordie Lass.
0: Well, I watched the Scarlet Moffat one because that was the Joel one, wasn't it? Oh, yes. Danny Baker had
2: an argument with the
0: guy from Holmes Under the Hammer. That was my year up.
2: That was the year you watched it, wasn't it? <laughs> that was
0: the year I watched it. Did you
2: know Vicky Patterson off the top of your head, or have you had that and prepared that joke <laughs> and you researched an appropriate person? I've, I've got writers in. Um, I love that, and I'm going to buy Helen's books uh, now. Yes, they're really, really good, um, and she's a she's a lovely lady, and I love copenhagen i always go there and i've, t- I've taken yeah, the kids so tell there. me all about it well there's the tivoli world in the middle of it but it's just very chilled i just like the atmosphere it is like what she was saying it's just a bit more relaxed and it's not that everyone's happier it's just that there's a lot less to worry about so yeah. people are naturally a lot more it's not like oh where are we going to get the money for uni and you know there are private schools but yeah. the education system yeah, so good them. there's not people going oh we've got to send them here or there and stuff like that and and that and it's even more so, I imagine, in the countryside because she's in the middle of nowhere yeah. than, a, than Copenhagen. But a little tip do not go to Copenhagen on the 2nd of January because it is, in the words of a uh, person in ho- the hotel, it shuts, everyone leaves. And he, was, he wasn't was wrong. It was all shut.
0: Oh, Rob, what a birthday.
2: I what know, birthday. 2nd of January, the worst birthday ever. We took a six-month-old to Copenhagen and then we were like, because it's just so chill, just pushing around. end up in this bar. We had a couple of drinks and then like everyone started coming in and then after about an hour, we didn't realise it was basically in a nightclub with a six-month-old that was asleep. <laughs> I just put
0: on the windsuit and head
2: out didn't you oh yeah just pop the windsuit in off we go but um, no she's great Helen and definitely buy her books and um, yeah and now we know the names of all the, the Danish pastries yes uh, alright <laughs> we, we need to wrap this up right speak to you on Tuesday Tuesday see you then bye bye